Well, happy Resurrection Day as we sing and celebrate the risen King. I feel like I just standing over there with tears down my face that this is truly too good to be true. I mean, have y'all heard what we're celebrating today? Have y'all been listening to the truths that we're singing that, that we have hope, we have resurrection life because of what Christ has done for us? If you would, turn your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 6. Friday night we sat under God's word and we heard the truth and what it looks like to consider ourselves dead. And this morning we're going to talk about what it means to consider ourselves alive. There's a, a Bible verse I've had written on my hand most of this week. Not every word, but the reference. Just to remember from Acts 4.33 and it says this. And with great power... The apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. That's been my prayer all week long, that as we testify this morning through songs and through baptism, through the Lord's Supper, even through the preached word to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that great grace would be upon all of us. You want to you pray for that with me this morning, right? So we read these words from Romans chapter 6. It says this, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make your, you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who've been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. Let's pray again together. Lord, we ask that you would help your people today, that you would help us to consider, to remember, to, to count ourselves, to regard ourselves as dead to sin and as alive to God in Christ Jesus. Lord, that we would be convinced that this is our reality. If we are in Christ, when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago, our flesh, our sin was crucified on that cross. And that, Lord, when he rose again, that, that you see us now united to Christ as risen indeed, just like Jesus Christ. So, Lord, I pray that as we testify to the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Lord, by the power of your Spirit, as we sit under your word this morning, Lord, that great grace would be upon us all. Lord, believer and unbeliever, Lord, that we would experience the grace of Jesus. 
the fullness of joy that comes from Jesus. And that, Lord, you would get great glory in this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what was your favorite thing to play pretend when you were a little kid? What was your favorite thing when you were playing pretend, when you were playing make-believe? What was your favorite thing to play? Maybe if you were a little girl, you would like to to play house. Even as a little kid, you might have had a a baby doll or little kids, and you played in the kitchen, you raised kids pretending you were raising a family. Maybe you'd pretend to play princess, that you were a princess and your knight in shining armor was going to come in and rescue you and save you. Maybe when you were little, if you were a boy, you would pray, play uh, G.I. Joe's, play Army, or play Cops and Robbers. Or maybe you'd play Batman or Superman or your favorite superhero. When I was little, I liked to pretend I was a WWF wrestler. I had those little WWF wrestling buddies. Did anybody have one of those? Like those little guys that were smaller than you even when you were little and you just like come off the top ropes and clothesline them. Man, put them in the, the figure four. Yeah, that's right. But then I kind of got mature. And when I was in middle school, I'd pretend I was Zach Morris from Say by the Bell. And <laughs> I would walk by the mirror in my room and kind of give one of those looks like he did in the intro music, you know. What would you play pretend? Well, in Romans chapter 6, Paul isn't inviting us as believers to play pretend with the gospel this morning. In verse 11, he isn't saying, consider what it would be like. What would it be like if you were dead to sin and alive to God? He isn't saying, imagine with me. Imagine with me what it would be like if you were dead to sin and alive to God. Now, wouldn't that be neat? That would be pretty neat. He he doesn't say, pretend that you were no longer guilty. Pretend that you've been set free. Pretend that you've been alive because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No, Jesus, no, Paul himself here in Romans is saying, you must consider. You must regard yourself. You must count yourself. See yourself as dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, this is not just a good possibility for Christians. This is our gospel reality in Christ. Actually, the the verb here has this ongoing action to it. It's it's the ongoing action. You, You keep doing. You must keep considering yourself. You must keep remembering yourself. You must keep counting yourself as, Lord, I am dead to sin. And I've been made alive in Christ Jesus. I'm alive to you. Friday night, we studied the first half of this passage. We meditated on the cross together, and we talked about what it looks like when you consider yourselves dead to sin. Dead to sin means that you've been set free from the penalty of sin. You are being set free from the power of sin, and one day you will be set free forever from the presence of sin. And that's good news for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
This is good news that we have to keep considering. This can't be amazing grace that becomes assumed grace. Because when it becomes assumed grace, pretty soon it'll become forgotten grace. No, we must be careful. We, if we quit considering this gospel reality, which is ours in Christ, we're going to live like we're guilty. We're going to see ourselves as unforgivable, as unlovable. We're going to live like we're helpless, like we're powerless against the attacks, the temptations of sin. We're going to live like our eternity is uncertain, like eternal victory for us is unsure. Well, this morning, I don't want us just to think about the cross and how we are dead to sin in Christ. But I want us to think about how we have been made alive to God in Christ Jesus. I want to look at the resurrection of Jesus and see that that is our resurrection. I want us to consider together and as a body of believers, as a community of faith at Christ Fellowship, to keep considering together that I'm dead to sin. We are dead to sin. And we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. The whole passage is saying this. This is true of us because it's true of Jesus. Like his story has become our story when we believe in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4 and 5 with me. He says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too walk, might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So the heart of this passage is, our union with Christ. How Christians by faith have been united to Jesus Christ. L listen, the, the Bible does not teach that Jesus is some distant, detached Savior who did something long, long ago, 2,000 years ago, and now lives far, far away in heaven. The gospel is not that you can believe in Jesus but you're detached from Jesus. He's somewhere far away. No. The gospel is the good news that when you are united to Jesus Christ by faith, whatever happened to Jesus, God considers that happened to you. That's now your story. That really happened to you because Christ died. By faith, you really died. Because Christ is risen indeed, you now are risen indeed. You have risen again from the grave. So this morning, we're not playing pretend at church. We're not playing pretend. This isn't playing princess. This isn't playing cops and robbers. I want us to think about what it looks like when we consider ourselves. When we remember today on Easter Sunday, when we grasp the gospel reality that you and I, we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. The first thing I think we see in our passage is to be alive to God is to be finally alive. Like I know up to this point, before you were a believer, before you knew Jesus Christ, you thought you were alive. Like you thought you were, you thought you were, you were eating a lot and 
working a lot and breathing. You, you spent your days doing all kinds of stuff, thinking about stuff, feeling things, walking places, sleeping. Some of us snoring a whole lot. It's me, I confess. But the Bible says you were also sinning. All of us had sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so you were, before Christ, a slave to sin. So you weren't truly free at all. See, you're not truly alive until you're alive in Christ. You're not truly free until you've been set free by Jesus. You're not truly new until you're new in Christ Jesus. And this is what Paul says in verse 4 when he says that in Christ we too might walk in newness of life. Jesus says it this way to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Or Paul says to the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So what does it mean to walk in newness of life? What does it look like when you're dead to sin, but now you're alive to God in Christ Jesus? Like, what is affected in your life when you're alive in Christ? Well, I think biblically, it, everything is affected. Like, everything, there's nothing in your life that's left untouched by the death and resurrection of Jesus when you're a believer. I love what Zane Pratt says about the six marks of a true disciple, those who have been made new in Christ. He says, if you're in Christ, you're going to have a transformed heart. Once dead, you're now alive. You're now filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to have a transformed mind. That means you think differently. Your, your heart, it, you, you read the Scriptures, you Think about the scriptures. You meditate on God and who He is. You're going to have a transform affection. Transform affections where, where you don't love what you used to love. No, you love Jesus and you love the things that Jesus loves. You desire the things that Jesus desires. Number four, you're going to have a transform will. You're marked now by obedience. You you want to, you long to do God's will. You have a transformed relationships, meaning you're going to forgive others freely. You're going to serve others selflessly. Your relationships are going to look completely different now. And lastly, you have a transformed purpose. Your life is now lo no longer self-centered about what you want and your goals and your desires, but no, you are God-centered. You're Godward in your life, and you want God to get the glory in absolutely everything in your life. It's what it means to be a disciple. It's what it means to be a Christian. Everything changes. Everything's been touched you're a new creation in Christ. You have a new heart, a new mind, a new will, new affections, new relationships, and a new purpose.
So let me ask you this morning, does this sound like the newness of life that you've experienced in Jesus Christ? Now, I love how Paul puts it here in Romans 6 because he says that we too might walk in newness of life. Walking is a a picture of progress. It's not being stagnant in our spiritual life. No, it's a picture of of progress, of, of movement, of growth. So all of these, other than a new heart, which is instantaneous when we've been made alive by Christ, all of these should be ever increasing in the life of a Christian. You should be thinking differently day by day. Your love should be slowly changing your will being redirected your relationships are growing more selfless your purpose in life is more centered now on God's glory than it was yesterday so I ask you again this morning have you been made alive to God or as Jesus says have you been born again are you a new creation in Christ Because if so, all these things should be ever increasing in your life. Maybe it's some days feel slower than the others, but it should be movement, progress, growth in grace in your life. If not, the good news this morning is that God can cause you to be born again. And the way that he does it is by granting you the gift of repentance. Of this morning, if you see that you're a great sinner before a holy God, you can right now in this moment repent of your sins, turn away from your sins, and turn to Jesus and run to Jesus. And place all your faith and trust in Jesus. And you can go from being dead in your sins to alive forever in Christ. That can happen to you right now by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Him alone to save you. I remember I was a part of a board of a nonprofit a long time ago, a nonprofit doing great things in the community. And a lot of times, sometimes, even in ministry, you can be focused on good things instead of the best things. And I remember one night sitting at a board meeting, and, and we were all sitting around throwing out ideas, and people were saying, man, what if we had somebody teach dance here? What if we had people playing jump rope with the kids? What if we were playing bubbles? What if we could paint fingernails? A lot of good things and fun things to be doing with kids in our neighborhood. And I'll never forget a lady speaking up and saying, if we're not careful, we'll just be moving around dead people each and every week. We'll be doing good things for dead people instead of speaking the the grace and the forgiveness in life that's offered in Jesus Christ, that people can be, who are dead, can be made alive. Maybe you're here this morning. You've been doing the church thing for, for years, for decades. But right now, you are sitting here dead in your sin. This morning, by repenting and trusting in Jesus, you could be made alive, be made brand new. Because to be alive to God is to be finally alive 
Well, second thing I want us to see is to be alive to God is to no longer fear death. We sang this earlier, right? Death is dead and Christ is risen. It is finished at the cross. Death is dead. There's no probably greater fear for most of the people that you work with, most of the people that you live beside, most of the people that are family and friends, than this question, what's going to happen to me after I die? What happens to me after death? Now, when I think about that question, my mind instantly goes to the movie, What About Bob? It's probably the greatest movie of all time, right? Bill Murray plays this crazy guy who's seeking therapy, and Siggy, the therapist, young boy, they're sitting there one night, laying in their beds and crippled by fear, and and Siggy, the little boy, asks Bob, Bob, are you afraid of death? And Bob, wide-eyed in bed, Bill Murray, picture him there, says, yeah. And little Siggy says, me too, and, and there's no way out of it. You're going to die. I'm going to die. It's going to happen. And who cares if it's tomorrow or 80 years from now? Much sooner in your case, he tells Bob. Do you know how fast time goes, Siggy says? I was six, like yesterday. And Bob says, me too. It's true of all of us in here this morning. Every single one of us is going to die. Like they've done the statistics. One out of one dies. Whether that be tomorrow for some of us or 80 years from now, we're all, like Siggy says, going to die. But the good news this morning is that Jesus Jesus doesn't remove the reality of death. He just removes the finality and the fear of death. Jesus doesn't remove the reality of death. He just removes the finality and fear of death. Because this is true of all of us who are united in Christ. Jesus' resurrection guarantees your resurrection. It's a a guarantee that you too will be raised. This is our story because his story is now our story. Look at verses 8 through 10 with me. Listen to what Peter says. I mean, Paul says, he says this, Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death He died, He died to sin. Once for all, but the life He lives, He lives to God. Now look what Paul does. He says, if this is Jesus' story... If this is true of Jesus, verse 11, so you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. His story has now become your story. The the risen Christ, listen, will never die again. The the risen Christ, death no longer has dominion over him. He reigns right now eternally, and his reign will never have an end. 
There is zero threat of Jesus ever losing his throne. There is zero chance that he will ever fall from glory. And so the good news for you and me is that means I too will rise again. I too will live eternally with him. I have zero chance of ever losing glory. Because Christ will never lose glory. Think about that. The only way I could ever lose heaven is if Jesus loses it first. And that could never happen. The only way you could lose heaven, live, lose eternity with God, is if Jesus loses eternity forever in heaven. That's why, I, that's why I'm saying this morning that the gospel doesn't lose the reality of death. We're all going to die. It's, it's hanging over all our heads, but the finality and the fear of death are gone forever. So preaching the gospel daily to yourself is constantly reframing your reality of who you are in Christ. Who we are in Christ says that the worst thing that could have ever happened to you is now the best thing that could ever happen to you. The fear that, of death that you used to have has now become the, the longing to be with Christ forever. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? As Pastor John Almwinchekwa said one time, Jesus has put a comma where death tried to put a period. Jesus has put a comma where death tried to put a period. To be alive, to be alive is to no longer fear death. Number three, to be alive is to live for the Lord. It's to live for the Lord. Look with me at verses 12 through 13. It says, let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. See, the gospel is actually a grace revolution. It's a grace revolution that's taken place in the heart of a sinner, in the throne room of your life. When you look, turn on the news right now, turn on CNN, see war, see wars in Eastern Europe. See other countries where revolutions, they, they break out again and again in different countries. But the greatest revolution of all time took place when Jesus went to a cross and when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Because in your heart, sin was reigning. Sin was reigning. Sin was giving all the orders, calling all the shots. Sin was a master that demanded your allegiance and it, and it was having its way in your life before Jesus. But now, in Jesus, sin was overthrown at the cross. Jesus dethroned sin from the throne of your life and now Jesus reigns in sin's place. Jesus reigns as your risen king and he's worthy of 
of all your allegiance. So, so when you keep considering yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, you know what you're constantly reminding your heart? You're constantly reminding yourself, hey, I have a new king. Sin no longer reigns over me. I'm no longer living to serve sin. No, I'm living to serve the risen king who lived for me and who died for me and who rose again. So, so that means for the Christian, we're no longer to present ourselves, our lives as tools for sin's purposes. If you're to continue to sin, to give yourself to sin is to, to serve a powerless king of a fallen kingdom who has zero authority and could care less about you. It's giving yourself to a pathetic king who has nothing for you but to still kill and destroy your life. Instead, we now present, Paul says, we, we present our lives as tools, as tools for the Lord's purposes, as instruments for His righteousness. Our allegiance is no longer for us, our sin, for our fleshly desires. We're no longer living for ourselves. No, our allegiance has now switched completely to Christ. Where we want to walk in His ways. We want to love what He loves. We want to bring Him joy. We want to give Him delight. We want Him to look down into sons and daughters who would live for Him and Him to be delighted that we are His own. We want to be His treasured possession that makes much and much of Jesus. We want Jesus to have the heart and the praise of every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's our desire because our allegiance is no longer for our sin. It's no longer for ourselves. It's for the glory and the joy of Jesus, our Savior. I love what Brennan Manning says. He says, it's hard to fathom anyone could ever love you enough to die for you. It's hard to fathom that... I know that's true for me, right? It's hard to fathom that anybody could love you enough to want to die for you. But if Jesus truly loved you enough to die for you, if He truly loves you right now with a steadfast love that endures forever, how could it not be a joy to live for Him? How could it not be a joy to, to present ourselves as instruments of righteousness, to give ourselves to go, to live for the glory of His name? Finally, to be alive is to be under grace. It's to be under grace. Look what he says in our final verse, verse 14. It says, For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. See, before you were a Christian, to be under, to be under the law is to be under a standard you could not meet. You couldn't meet it, and you were never going to meet it. To be under the law is, is to have the obligation to obey 
God's law and everything He's called you to do, but with no ability to keep the law outside of Jesus. That's why sin still has dominion over you before Jesus. The power over you because the law cannot deliver you. The the law can, uh, can expose what God demands in your life. It just can't meet the demands of God over your life. But to be united to Christ now is to be under grace. It's like fresh air. It's like living water to the greatest sinner in here. Living water to the one who knows I will never meet the standard of God. I I can never be as holy as God, as righteous as God. I'm a sinner who's fallen short of His glory. But to be under grace doesn't mean that God lowers His standard. To be under grace just means that he meets his standard in Jesus. See, Jesus was perfectly righteous, unlike you. And he took your punishment on the cross in your place for you not being righteous. And then he rose again on the third day and gifted you his perfect righteousness. So that now you are perfect Before a holy God, not because of what you have done, but only because of what Jesus has done. That's why it's called grace. It's God giving you something that you did not earn. It's giving you something you did not achieve. It's His undeserved favor. It's the promise of His steadfast love in Jesus. And I think we could all say that living under grace is the freedom that you've been looking for your whole life. Living under grace is the freedom that you've been looking for your entire life. It's being forever accepted, not because of what you've done, but only because of what Jesus has done for you. When He lived for you and died for you and rose again. To be under grace is to realize that my life is not the sum of the good deeds that I have done, but it's the grace that I receive in Jesus. The resume, it's it's realizing the resume that matters most to a holy God is not my resume, but Jesus' perfect resume. I love what Ed Welch says. He kind of gets to the heart of our sin dilemma, of our unrighteous dilemma. He says, the hardest thing for humans to bring to the Lord is nothing. We feel like we want to bring something. We feel like we want to prove something. We feel like we got to earn it. That's your nature, that you want to to do something that you can receive. We're we're self-righteous by nature. But being under grace is the realization that I bring nothing to Jesus, but I receive everything in Jesus because of what He's done for me. So as we close, I want us to think about the joys that we experience living under grace. The the law was slavery to us, but grace is true freedom that we've always longed for. 
under the law, we constantly feel like there's more to do. And if not, we'll be forgotten forever. But under grace, we rest in the truth that in Jesus, it's already done. Forever forgiven and never forgotten in Jesus. Under the law, we're constantly measuring our righteousness, always grading our performance. But under grace, we're constantly looking at Jesus' righteousness, resting in His performance. Under the law, we're constantly competing against one another, comparing ourselves to one another. But under grace, we're constantly reminding one another of Jesus. Redirecting, redirecting one another's gaze to Jesus. Under the law, we constantly feel like we have something to prove. Like we have a good, we have a good image we must protect. But under grace, we have nothing left to prove. We have nothing left to protect. We are enough in Jesus. Under the law, we think trying harder, doing better, running faster will only increase God's love for us. But under grace, we know that we will never be loved any less or any more than we are right now in Christ Jesus. Think about that. You are as safe and secure in Jesus in this moment if you're in Christ than you will be 10 trillion years from now in Christ in heaven. Just as safe, just as secure, and just as loved by the Father. This is freedom. This is the great grace that was felt by all in Acts chapter 3. God loves you right now where you're at, not where you wish you were. God loves you right now where you're at, not where you wish you were. God's not looking into the future with you with his arms folded and say, oh, oh yes, I see what you're saying. When you get there, when we arrive there, when we get there, I'll have love then. There'll be love for you then. But no, he sees you right now, complete in Christ. Under his lavish grace. And he loves you in this moment with zero hesitation if you're in Christ. With zero hesitation. I think one of the best ways I've ever heard it was by a little girl named Avonlea Stewart who said, God loves me. And that's amazing. God loves me, and that's amazing. We should be amazed by that grace. It's not assumed grace. It's amazing grace that we who were once enslaved to sin are now dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. It's who you are. That's right where God loves you this morning. My prayer again all week has been that by the power of the Spirit that you would experience this freedom in Jesus. This joy of being finally alive, of having unimaginable grace in Christ. 
Not just a little, but being lavished upon you. Because you know, growing as a Christian is actually, it's actually the exact opposite of playing pretend. Because playing pretend is pretending to be something that you're not. But growing as a Christian is actually becoming who you truly are. It's being who you already are in Christ. It's growing up in the son or daughter that God sees you right now in His Son. So brothers and sisters, it's not time to play pretend this morning. It's time to consider and keep considering as the people of God that we are dead to sin and we are alive to God in Christ Jesus for this is who you are right now. This is who you always will be. This is your gospel reality. All because of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would, oh Lord, convince our hearts of this right now by the power of your Spirit. That, Lord, the gospel would be so much more than words for us. Whether we've been a believer for 80 years, or Lord, whether we walked in here still dead to our sin, not knowing Jesus, Lord, I pray that great grace would come upon us all this morning. That we would experience by the power of the Spirit, the freedom of being dead to our sin and alive to Christ. All because of nothing that we've done. Lord, we come to the cross, we come to you, and we have nothing in our hands to bring. Nothing that we can earn your love, nothing we can impress you with. Oh, but Lord, when we turn our gaze to Jesus and we see his perfect life that he lived in our place and his perfect death that he died on a cross in our place and his resurrection, Lord, where now he reigns forever in heaven, Lord, we can cap collapse all our hope, all our trust on Jesus and know that his story is our story. Lord, this is who we are if we're in Christ this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would convince us of this and that, Lord, we would experience the goodness and the grace of truly being dead to our sin and alive in Christ. To be finally alive to no longer fear dead, to death, to, to have the joy of living for you all our lives, to give you all our allegiance, Lord, and to be under no longer sin, under the law, but to be under grace. Lord, would your, the good news of the gospel of grace be refreshment to sinners today. Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.